Attention, all podcasters. It's time to get epic. You're listening to Off the Post Podcast, broadcasting live from beautiful downtown British Columbia. All right, we need to have an emergency episode today. Red flags. This is an emergency episode. Uh, if you didn't already hear that, the Dallas Stars are a extremely massive, hot mess right now. Uh, as a Stars fan, I feel like I need to vent this. Oh, by the way, my, my <laughs> I forgot to mention. Uh, my name is Cody French. I'll be your only host again today. Um, this me being with myself today. It's not their fault. A guy just went out of my way to do this because like this is an emergency. As we stand today, it is, I believe it is Saturday, August 15th, uh, 2020. Um, Calgary Flames are up 2-1 in the series over the Dallas Stars. It is time to panic. It is time to, the time to panic is now. This is, this is a tire fire. This is a disaster. Uh, so if you haven't heard, uh, I don't even know where to start with this team. Um, I guess we'll start, okay, let's start here. Uh, the Dallas Stars have now allowed... The first goal of the game in 11 straight games dating back to the month of March. Yeah. <laughs> um, the ah, There's just so much wrong with this team. I don't know where to start. The roster itself, the roster itself, it's a great roster. Ben, Sagan, Radulov, Pavelski, Gurionov, Hintz, Foxa, Perry, Haskinen, Klingberg, Lindell, Bishop, Hudobin, the list goes on and on. This roster is fantastic. This roster is a Stanley Cup winning roster, but, this is a gigantic but, the system, the management, the coaching, it is all holding this team back. Let's date back real quick to 2018-2019, the 2018-2019 offseason. Uh, the Dallas Stars, they bring in Jim Montgomery, a coach out of college, and the future looks great. Uh, he preaches that we're going to play with relentless hockey, uh, all that kind of jazz. It's, it's great stuff. Um, the offense under Jim Montgomery in his first year was not there outside of the big three. We had Sagan with, this is 2018-2019, Sagan with 80 points in 82, Radulov with 72 and 70, Ben with 53 and 78, and then the next closest forward, Radic Foxa with 30 points in 81, Jason Spezza with 27 and 76, Yanmark 25 and 81. You kind of see the drop off here. Uh, the system around the players is horrendous. Oh man, it's, I don't even know where to go next. Let's just let's just jump to let's jump to the next year. Jump next year. So they they start the season one seven and one. Can't score a goal for the life of them. Uh, they they bounce back pretty well. Uh, but maybe a quarter way through the year, they fired Jim Montgomery to what is believed to be like an alcohol addiction issue. So he's out. In comes Rick Bonus. Everyone feels like we're saved because Jim Montgomery's player usage and his system was horrendous. Everyone thinks we're saved, except it is the exact opposite. Uh, Rick Bonus now preaches this 
defense first, let's not score any goals kind of play style. And now the offense is the worst it's ever been. We have Sagan, Ben, Radulov, Klingberg, Pavelski, all with career lows this season. Pavelski last year scored 40 goals. Comes into this team, I get it, it's a short season. Comes in, scores 14. And part of the reason he scored 14 goals, they won't put him in front of the net on the power play. He might arguably be the best puck tipper in the league. And he sits on the point. He sits at the blue line on the power play. And it was the same thing with Montgomery when he was here, too. Why? What, what are you... Why? That doesn't make any sense. Like, could, could you imagine not putting Alex Ovechkin on the dot in the power play? Or could you not imagine Eric Carlson not on the point on the power play? Like, what are we doing here? Why are the best players who thrive in those positions, positions like, why are they not there? What is Pavelski doing on the point for you? He's not going to quarterback the power play. He's not going to be able like... It, it, it's mind-boggling. It makes no sense. So Tyler Sagan this year, 50 points in 69 games. Nice. That is absolutely brutally disgusting. Jamie Benn, 39 and 69. Horrible. Radulov, 34 and 60. Hints, 33 and 60, which isn't horrible for a rookie coming into his second year. Um, I'll talk about Hints and Gurionov in a second. Pavelski, 31 and 67. Even Klingberg had a huge drop of 32 and 58. Now here's my problem when it comes to Miro Haskin, or not Miro Haskin, sorry, Rupe Hintz and Denis Gurionov. It's not the players, it's their usage. This year, average time on ice, only one forward that played regular minutes had less ice time than Denis Gurionov, and that was Andrew Cogliano. Denis Gurionov averaged 12 minutes and 59 seconds a game, and he put up 20 goals. Only, the only forward with less ice time, Andrew Cogliano with 12.28. So yes, that means Corey Perry, Matthias Janmark, Blake Como, Jason Dickinson, Radek Foxa all had more ice time than Dennis Gariano. And a lot more at that. Blake Como was at 14.56. Janmark, 14.37. Radek Foxa, 15.53. Like, Dennis Gariano could arguably be the team's best forward this year. He was that good. Part of it was him being that good, and the other part of it was Sagan and Ben just not being able to adapt to the system. And I don't blame him. The system is horrendous. I would use a certain word that the CEO, Jim Lights, used on his big players, but I don't want to do that because I want to use this podcast for school. So I can't do that. Uh, the player usage is horrendous. We got Rupe Hints here with a 14.45 average ice time, uh, which comes in 17th among the team behind players like Blake Como, Jason Dickinson, Radic Foxa. And arguably, Jamie Ben should be, you know, Rupe Hinch could be above Jamie Ben. Uh, the player usage is horrendous when it comes to things like time on ice. And we mentioned earlier, Pavelski uh, is on that is on the point on the power play. You got Rupe Hintz, Miro Haskinen, Dennis Gurionov, all in the second power play unit. As we've seen in the playoffs so far, they're on the second unit, and they've been the better power play unit. They, I was watching the Colorado Avalanche play the Arizona Coyotes today. Uh, Coyotes went uh, took a game in the series. Series is now two one Abs. Um, Jared Bednar, coach of the Abs, is double shifting the top line. He'd roll out the McKinnon line, then roll out the Kadri line. They're down by one goal. Roll out the McKinnon, then Kadri, then McKinnon, then uh, and you'll go to. Uh, it's like you go to Rick Bonus last night. They're down a goal before T.J. Brody takes that one timer home, and they got they got their fourth line out there. They got Andrew Cogliano, Radic Foxa, and Blake Como. They're down a goal. So when they go down two goals. So now, 
you got three minutes left in the game. You're down by two, and they're still playing that fourth line. Denis Gurionov and Rupe Hints, they're not getting any ice time. The player usage is brutal. The power play is brutal. They have now given up, I believe, three shorthanded goals in these playoffs, and they've played three games. I could be wrong. It's either two or three. Andre Sakara, that's a <laughs> that is a whole nother story. I'm not gonna get in too much into that because it'll just be me ripping him for the next 20 minutes. But we're not gonna do that. Uh, Matthias Janmark, same thing. Uh, he reminds me of last year's. He's this year's Val Nichushkin from last year. Zero goals, seven points. Wasn't good offensively. He was okay defensively, but overall, he did nothing. He was just there to be there. He was there because they needed a spot to fill on the roster. And that's how Yanmark is this year. I'm on the train that they should maybe throw in Jason Robertson this year. Just to see how he would perform. I'm pretty confident he'd give more than Matthias Yanmark would. And I'm also on the train that we should be seeing Gavin Bayreuther or Thomas Harley, the Stars' first round pick last year, in over Andre Sakara. They, they cannot be that much worse. So I mentioned earlier that I believe that the Stars' Stanley Cup roster is a cup-winning roster. And I still believe that. It's like I mentioned earlier, it's the player usage, the coach, the system. The system that Jim Montgomery has implemented has been horrendous. And now that it's been passed over to Rick Bonus, it's being executed even poorly, more poorly than it was. And you see the Stars fans online, and I'm one of them that are saying, get rid of Bonus, get rid of Bonus, get rid of Bonus, get rid of him. But then they say, bring, Mon- bring, Ma- bring Montgomery back. N- that That doesn't solve the problem. This entire system... The entire game plan is all under Mon- it's all Montgomery's plan. And you have to think of it this way. Last year, the Stars were ranked 29th in the league for goals for. The only teams that scored less, I believe, were Anaheim and Ottawa. This year, they're 28th. Only teams behind them, Anaheim, Ottawa, Los Angeles. You see the problem here. Yeah, right? Yeah, this is a bit of a problem. But their goals against average, one of the best in the league. I believe it's second only behind Boston. So, they're so focused on this defense-first narrative, which is great, but they're sacrificing all the offense. The defense is ranked second, which, you know, fantastic, but the offense is ranked 28th. Would you, would you not rather have a defense ranked 10th and an offensive, or offense ranked 16th or something? It's, the difference, it almost, it's not balanced, and it makes things uneven. Anyways, let's get back on track here. So I believe, I mentioned earlier, again, because I'm repeating myself way too much, the Stars have a Stanley Cup winning roster, but they need a coach that can execute this. So going into next year, I made a team on cap friendly here, and they the only changes they make, they don't sign Yanmark, they don't re-sign Yanmark, they don't re-sign Andre Sakara. Uh, they go with the exact same roster as last year, except they pluck some of their older players out and pluck them in with some uh, younger players. So I'll give you the first line here. And the first line, I believe he's ready to make the jump next year into the NHL. I've got my top line of Jason Robertson, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov. I believe Jason Robertson will not only give Tyler Sagan someone that can keep up with his speed, but we've seen Jason Robertson be this elite goal scorer in the OHL. I think Sagan being able to... Because Sagan's a pretty good... He's a great shooter, but he's also a great playmaker. Same with Radulov. He's also a great playmaker. Playmaker, excuse me. I think that is a perfect fit for Jason Robertson on that top line. And there's no better way to bring your young rookie in here into the NHL 
and set him up for success right off the bat. If you put him on the third line uh, with guys like Dickinson and Fox, who are great players, but they're defense-first players, you're not going to get the same results. That's my first line there. My second line, I got Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, Denis Gurionov. You get Rupe Hintz and Denis Gurionov together. They've been together a few times this year, and don't ask you why they took them apart from each other. I don't have an answer for you. It's beyond idiotic, I know. I got them together because they're blazing speed, and ones I like Denis Gurionov, and I'm not, do not take this the wrong way, because I know you will, but they use him as Ovechkin on the power play. They got him in the Ovechkin spot with the one-timer, and he's got a wicked one-timer, and he's got the he's got the speed to back it up as well. He is, he's a poor man's Pavel Bure, is the best way I put it. He's not going to put up the extremely high point totals that Pavel Bure did, but his play style is very identical, and I kind of made the comparison just because they're Russian. So we got Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, Denis Gurionov. You get Denis Gurionov with Joe Pavelski. Pavelski can bring him that extreme leadership. You got Rupe Hintz, who can set up Joe Pavelski, uh, with the speed, he's a great playmaker. I can put Pavelski in front of the net uh, while Rupe Hintz, Gurionov can all do their thing. And our third line here, we got Jamie Benn, Radek Fox, and Corey Perry. A lot of Stars fans this year were not on the Perry hype train. I, and I get it because the last 10 years, he's been torturizing the Stars. It's like if, if Marshawn goes to Vancouver near the end of his career, you're kind of like, what the hell? Like, you know, it, it just... Or, like, Lucic going to Montreal. Like, it's that kind of... That's the kind of feeling it is. But Jamie Benn and Corey Perry, they have this chemistry that goes dates all the way back to the 2014 Sochi Olympics. They were dynamite. They played on the same line together, I believe, with Ryan Getzlaff in the middle. Uh, Radek Fox is actually a great player. He's a great overall player, top to bottom. His offense is great. Uh, he scores, I believe, 33 points in the 2017-18 season. Uh, or, sorry, 2018-19 season with... He had it was Andrew Cogliano and Blake Como. He scored 15 goals, 15 points, or 15 assists, excuse me. He had those two anchors next to him, and he put up 30 points while being one of the top defensive players in the game. And no one, no one gives Radic Foxa the credit for being one of the top defensive players in the game. And I get it. He plays in Dallas. He's a third liner. He doesn't put up the points. I get it. But he he may be a top 10 defensive player in the league. He, he might be, but the offense just doesn't back it up. But you put him with Ben and you put him with Perry, I think you got something special there. And the reason that I wanted to keep this lineup together the way it is, for example, you bring in Gerard Gallant next year, you bring in literally anyone who knows how to coach offense, that, Sagan's putting up 80 points. He's going back to 40 plus 40. Pavelski's putting up 30 plus 30, excuse me. Radulov's putting up 30 plus 30. Ben's putting up probably 30 and 30. Like the t- they can bring back the, the offense from these guys. And I know Perry could put up 20 and 22. Radic Fox could put up 20. Like The potential for this team to score goals is there. And we haven't even talked about Miro Haskinen yet. Haskinen, in my eyes, is the second best young defenseman in the league behind Shabbat. And you can make an argument for Quinn Hughes to kind of take that second spot. And I'll hear it. But for me, between Hughes and Haskinen, I'm going to give Haskinen a slight edge. Just to his all-around game that is just... Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Not to mention he anchors the second-best goals against in the league, along with him and Bishop. Um, and Hastings putting up 30, 40 points. Imagine if they utilized him properly. 
I've the amount of times I've seen passes by Rupert, or excuse me, I, I'm getting the two mixed. They're both finished. That's why I'm getting them mixed up. Okay, the amount of times I've seen Miro Haskin throw a pass to Matias Yanmark, Andrew Cogliano, Blake Como because of the poor player usage, and they don't even get a shot is disgusting. It's you you put him on the Colorado Avalanche. He's putting up 70 points. He's easily putting up 70 points. No problem. You put him on a team that can score goals. We're talking maybe the next Victor Hedman here. He's that good. But the system they got right now does not allow these players to develop. And speaking of player development, before I get onto the defense on the fourth line here, I have not mentioned yet, Thomas Harley. We need we need to talk about Thomas Harley. Thomas Harley got his first bit of NHL action about a week ago or so against the Colorado Avalanche. And Klingberg was out. So he needed a guy who could play on the power play, put up a, put up a point or so. You know, maybe get his feet wet. Look good, okay? Rick Bonus played him nine minutes. Nine minutes and no power play time. So this poor kid is out there taking defensive zone draws. And you, if, if you're a hardcore NHL fan, you know who Thomas Harley is. You know that he's his strong, strong, strong side is offense and his weak side is defense. If he can get his defense figured out, they might have the next Thomas Shabbat on their hands. The comparison's been made by Sportsnet and others. If he can get some defensive flaws worked out, they might have the next Thomas Shabbat. But the way that they're putting him putting him in that first NHL game with no power play time, they're putting him on defensive zone face-offs, defensive zone draws, with guys like Sakara and Fadun, there's just there's no room to grow there. It it's mind-boggling. Like, you gotta put the man with Lindell, put him with Haskinen. Like that's how you get him to develop his game. Put him with Alexiak even. It's just putting him with bare minimum NHLers won't do, will only hurt his development. We're giving him nine minutes a night. We're not giving him any power play time. That is a problem. The Dallas Stars have not been able to develop any prospects. For I can't tell you when. Rupe Hintz and Dennis Gurionov have been the prospects to develop for the Stars to come out. Probably, I want to say, Essa Lindell. Maybe John Klingberg from 2010 and 2012. And when they drafted Alexiak, they had to trade him to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh developed him. They bring back Alexiak. Now he's a he's an awesome top four defenseman. But he couldn't barely crack the lineup in Dallas. They don't know how to develop. Which is why I think the management, the Jim Nill and his staff and the coaching staff, they need they need a complete overhaul. This team has all the potential in the world, and it's being wasted. It's it's criminal. It's criminal in my eyes. Let's going to get back on track here. Uh, the fourth line I got for my offense, and if you're a Stars fan, you'll know a lot about these guys. Rhett Gardner, Jason Dickinson, Nick Camano. Gardner and Camano were up in the lineup a few times early on in the season this year to cover for some injuries, and they remind me so much. I want to say, like, a young... Both are young Andrew Coglianos, and that's... That's not a bad comparison. They both... Like, a little bit of Tyler Mott in them, too. Which, they're, they're fourth-line players. They know the role. Defensive players. And the speed they got to be able to keep up with the other guys and to shut them down. They're the perfect fourth-line... Fourth-liners next year in my eyes. And they're centered by Jason Dickinson, who's in... This will be his third year. I think next year will be his third year. Uh, and I think with that fourth-line... I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with that. And your PK, you can now run... And Sagan's a great two-way player as well. You can run Fox on there. 
Uh, you can do Sagan, Dickinson, Camano, Gardner, and you got options. You got a lot of options there. So, let's go to the defense now. We talked a bit about Haskinen. Haskinen, in my eyes, and it's maybe the only player that comes close is Ben Bishop. Haskinen is the best player on this team. And besides Bishop, no one even sniffs his jockstrap. It is not close in the slightest. Haskinen, 25 minutes a night. He'll put up 40 points, being the best defensive player. I, I got him as a top 10 defenseman. He's that good. I, it's, he, it's He doesn't get the help around him. It's disgusting. He's paired right now with Jamie Oleksiak. And Jamie Oleksiak, as we mentioned earlier, has turned into a solid, legit top 4 defenseman. They're both eating 20-plus minutes a night on the, in the uh, playoffs here. That's my top line. Then you got Lindell and Klingberg's the second pair. And Lindell and Klingberg, for me, I, I believe they're one of the top pairs in the NHL. And a huge reason that John Klingberg has taken a step back last year is the defensive system that Jim Montgomery has implemented and is now being backed up by Rick Bonus. They're not letting, they're not letting John Klingberg jump into the rush as much as he used to. They're not utilizing him properly. They don't... Put him on a lot of offensive zone draws. It's these are the things that are holding him back. He was a 60-point defenseman a couple years ago, and he he's still young. I believe he's 27. There is no doubt in my mind. He just turned 28 yesterday, I think. Actually, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that he can get back to this form. Esselin Delves been pretty good. Uh, the blue bars say otherwise, but watch a couple games. He's he's legit. He's he's a great number three defenseman. He could be a number two on a bad team. I don't really have much complaints about him. That's my second pair for next year. And then the third pair, uh, Thomas Harley, Stephen Johns. Stephen Johns is the perfect guy to come into the for Thomas Harley to come into the lineup and be able to develop. Stephen Johns is the perfect guy that stays at home, stays in the blue line, plays smart defensively, and that allows Thomas Harley to rush up, join the rush, make some plays, and be able to get some growth and it won't hinder his development playing with guys like Andre Sequeira. And Taylor Fredoon's a fine NHL defender. He's a great number seven, number six. But you cannot develop your young players next to a player like that. You need someone who's a solid number four, number five, or better. And I think the, in the next few years, I think the top pair you're looking at in the NHL for the Dallas Stars, Miro Haskinen and Thomas Harley. I mentioned earlier, I don't think this, this lineup does not need changes. It needs a management change. It needs a GM change. It needs a coaching change. Someone that knows how to run an offense. Rick Bonus and Jim Montgomery implemented this, like, early 2000s, like, New Jersey Devils type feel, except they just don't win championships. They can't get past the second round. And as we stand right now, in game one against the Flames, they looked lifeless. Andre Sakara was horrible. He was horrendous. He was maybe the worst player in the league, let alone in that game. Game two rolls around, they leave him back out there. Everyone loses their mind. And he was okay. He was okay. He had a couple of mistakes that led to some big goals. Flames tied it. Everyone had a meltdown, including me. Jamie Alexiak takes a pass from Corey Perry, which I think they got to resign this year. Corey Perry needs to be resigned. Like I mentioned earlier, I didn't, I didn't get to finish my my rant because I ranted about something else. But Corey Perry needs to be resigned here. He's a solid. He can put up 20 goals, 20 assists for you. He's got instant chemistry with Jamie Ben. They got to give these players. They cannot say. They cannot like management cannot go to Pavelski and Perry and say, hey. You guys are old. You only put up 30 points and 20 points apiece. You're no good here. You can't do that. The defensive system they've implemented will just... They can't succeed. They don't put Pavelski in the net front on the power play. So a bunch of his goals are gone from that. But you can't just tell him, okay, you guys are old. You suck. We shouldn't have signed you guys. Get out. It won't work. 
You can't do that. They're gonna go. They're gonna pull Valanciushkin. They're gonna go to Colorado and score 16 goals when they before when he had zero. That's 16 extra goals because they know how to score. Nachushkin, zero goals. They let him go. They buy him out. Act. They didn't even let him go. They buy him out. They bought out Valanciushkin over guys like Andrew Cogliano and Blake Como and Matias Yanmark. They buy out Valanciushkin. Goes to Colorado. 16 goals. What? Are you kidding me? 16 goals? Oh my god. That's a plus 16. Like, here, let me give you another example. Sagan, 19 goals this year. Put him in Colorado. 16 more goals? Are you kidding me? In 69 games? Oh my god. Do you see the problem here? What are we doing? This is why Valentin almost fell out of the NHL. They cannot develop. And I remember someone asking Sean Shapiro... Uh, from The Athletic, who covers the Dallas Stars, they asked him uh, in the beginning of the 2018-2019 season, and they said, how many goals do you think Nchushkin's going to score? And he says, I don't think he's going to even get close to 10. Because they cannot develop. They don't know what they're doing. So they, they got to give this... They got to give this roster a twirl with an offensive system. I know I, I am certain with a fact I know for a fact that Ben Radulov Pavelski can all put up close to their career highs maybe not maybe not Pavelski because you know he's a bit on the older side but he can still put up 30 and 30 they can all put up wicked point totals they just they need to get an offensive system in there they need to know what they're doing as of right now they're killing the development of Dennis Gurionov of Rupe Hintz Gurionov's getting 12 goddamn minutes a night and he put up 20 goals what happens if you get twenty? What happens if he gets twenty minutes a night? What happens? Thirty goals? Dare I say even forty? With twenty plus minutes in an offensive system, he got twenty goals with twelve minutes a night in a defensive first system that ranks twenty eighth in the league in goals for. What happens? What happens if you put him on Colorado with Nathan McKinnon? What happens if you put him in Edmonton with Connor McDavid? I think you're getting forty goals, and it sounds crazy, I know, but you're you're probably getting forty goals and. Maybe 20 assists? You're probably getting a 60-point player. Maybe even more. It's ridiculous. I can go on for hours. And this is why I did a solo show, because none of the dudes want to hear me say, wow, the stars suck, Rick Bonus sucks, Andre Sakara sucks, their development sucks. No one wants to hear me say that. I'm sure no one even listening wants to hear me say this, but here we are. Ugh. But how about those Canucks, though, eh? <laughs> 